This is episode 135 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 135 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Dave Knight on today's episode, and Dave's a great guy, really enjoyed talking with him. He works as a police officer, and he is also a very aggressive real estate flipper. He's actually flipping five properties right now. He flips investment properties, which is actually a bit different than most guests. Most people who are flipping who come on this show is usually just single family homes, but not Dave. He's actually flipping investment properties because he has an angle on that. If plan A doesn't work out and he can't sell it the way he wants to sell it, he can actually just refinance and keep that property and have a cash flowing asset. And if you know anything about me and my strategy for investing, I love that approach. I always like having a plan A, B, and C, and that's just a great methodology. I've also flipped investment properties myself and can speak to the peace of mind that that gives, knowing that you have the opportunity to keep it if you want, and it still works. On top of being a savvy investor and a police officer, Dave also has a podcast, the 911 Wealth Network work podcast. I highly recommend you check it out. He has many different guests and he has a focus on helping people who are in the first responders line of work to achieve financial freedom and not rely on their pensions. So I really appreciate what Dave does. I think he does a great job of his branding and putting himself out there. And uh, it's really interesting talking to him and watching his journey. So I think you're going to enjoy this episode as well. As always, I'm going to ask you to take a quick moment just right now and rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like, subscribe, and notification bell. If you haven't already, I'd highly recommend also that you grab a copy of my cash flow spreadsheet from my website. Just go to andrew-hines.com and you will see the link there to grab that. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into episode 135 with Dave Knight. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Dave Knight, fellow podcaster on the podcast today. Dave, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, man. So uh, first off, you've got the podcast, uh, what do you call it? First Responders Wealth Network. Which is all for first responders. So you're a policeman. Police officer, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, full-time, still working on the road. And basically geared towards first responder community. So police, fire, paramedic, all that stuff. And I think your inspiration for doing that was you didn't love the uh, the pension idea with these (laughs) programs. You thought there Um, needed to be more. I kind of like fell into it, to be honest. It just, uh, I had the podcast or, you know, I was just doing the real estate stuff on the side. Rather than working the overtime, I started getting that passive income and uh, learn a little bit more about the pensions and what's going on down in the U.S. as much as they are here. And uh, yeah, so I just had a real interest towards um, real estate investing and no one was really speaking to our own community. So I thought what a better way to make a podcast and just kind of as a hobby met people like you know yourself and other people you get to interview yeah. and you learn along the way and just share the info. Yeah, it's such a good networking thing. That that was like I'd say that's like ninety percent of my motivation for doing this is Mm -hmm. just being able to be in the circles with the people I am and uh, and have a lot of good conversations. Yeah, I learned like so much, but the networking, like you said, is is really the biggest thing that came out of it for sure. Yeah, networking is where it's at for sure, and uh, just having those people on your telephone, being able to give them a call when you want to, or, or a text. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's big. Now, as far as the pension issue, or, or I think you had mentioned that there were some pensions that just weren't able to support when people were retiring in the states. Was this the problem you identified? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's issues um, all over, really. Um, I mean, this last year was a big one. Uh, it was, I think, it was two minus minus three or minus two point seven 
percent is what our pension fund returned through through the pandemic. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people that had issues throughout the pandemic, but it's a long trend that's that's concerning for people who really really understand and look at it. But examples in the states really is what kind of sparked my interest and kind of concern. There's a lot of pension funds down there: California, Illinois, uh, Long Island that have been you know they're down to sixty percent funded all the way to insolvent. You know, so they've really um, you know, and there's a lot of trend that you see throughout the world that's happening here. So what it's people, you know, living longer, it's not being not enough people contributing versus people retiring. It's the the amount of return that's expected every every year is increasing and now you got inflation that's just yeah. completely out of hand. When you start putting all those factors in, it's it's concerning. So that's just why my whole spiel is don't rely on pension alone. Yeah, I just think it's uh, it's a risky thing. And, and, and same with relying on a job, right? Like you want to have your own um, independence. Totally. And uh, that way, if, if for some reason, I know in your case, your job's pretty secure. But, you know, I just had the last the last guy that was on this podcast, he was laid off from his job. There so, you, you know, you can think that you're all good, but then you might not be one day. And, there, and there's other things like small stuff that people don't realize, too. If you get hurt on the job, well, we have great benefits, but there's a lot of those benefits that are limited. And they run out pretty quickly. Like I can name people on my hand just on my shift that have gone for, you know, rehab or some type of physio and it runs out pretty quick. And then that's all out of their own pocket. Yeah. You know, just one small example. But, you know, if you have some passive income or just think outside the box and get any type of income stream going, it's just it sparks the conversation. OK, so when did you start that podcast? Uh, it's been like three years now. Three years. OK. Yeah, you've been out longer than I have. Yeah. <laughs> I, th I think your viewers are and your numbers are a little higher than mine. I, cool. I didn't know about yours. <laughs> but you're very kidding. niche specific, right? Yeah, so, totally. Uh, there's, just... there's nothing wrong with that. So um, anyways, I know you're you're very busy, though. So you, you mentioned to me before we got rolling, you're, you're four on, four off with the shifts mm -hmm. with work. Mm -hmm. And then you're pretty much a full on, full time real estate investor on top of that. Yeah, I guess pretty much. It's, <laughs> uh, I'm juggling a lot. Actually, I was just uh, on another podcast, and they're like, how do you manage all that? Yeah, yeah. what are you managing? Break it down for <laughs> Okay, me. we'll yeah. break it down. So um, so obviously, I'm working full-time on the road, so four-on, four-off schedule, two days, two nights. I'm very fortunate to be in a position where my nights end around you know midnight to 3 a.m., whereas a lot of guys on my shift are working until like 6 or 7 in the morning. So I've kind of lucked onto that little train there for a couple of years, but... Um, yeah, working full time and have uh, five projects on the go right now for flips, uh, three multifamily conversions, two single family. And um, yeah, I got uh, obviously the podcast and I just started an online course that I created. I was fortunate to connect with a lot of people throughout the podcast that I met, like we we're talking about networking is key and was able to bring them on, share their information. So I packaged it together. So it's a real boot camp. It's literally the online boot camp for real for real estate investing, specifically in Canada and the U.S. And so that's out there. And then now just started some coaching as well, getting people in their first property. Wow! Holy crap! Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> what what drives you to do all that? Um, I love it, man. It's just uh, I like I like creating. I like the opportunity. I like uh, always improving myself, pushing myself. Um. You know, it's funny, like a lot of guys on the job or working, they're completely content with, you know, getting that paycheck and a pension and there's nothing wrong with that. But I just have a little desire for more, right? I want, 
I want to, I don't want to work a 30 years shift work. You know, I want to be able to retire early, which it's fairly, hopefully fairly soon. And, you know, have that passive income that I can live on, uh, not rely on one job. And I'm really, I'm really motivated now by the podcast and the feedback I'm getting with people through the network now with, with first responders. And yeah, I just have a real passion for kind of doing more. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Yeah. So, what does your portfolio look like right now? So, I just uh, last year or a couple years ago, I sold a few properties. So, right now, I have the five that I'm working on. I have uh, my personal residence, which is we talked about in Burlington there, and so we're working on that, and then a student rental in uh, Welland. Okay, Welland, nice. Yeah. So, and then the others are flips. So, you're big on the flips, then? Yeah, right now. Yeah, it's kind of part of my my strategy to get that passive income as quickly as possible. So, you know, cash flow is somewhat tighter these days, right? So it's a little harder unless you put in a big down payment, right? Totally, it's just, it's just yeah. coming to a bigger down payment is really what it is. Exactly. So I kind of had a decision to make, how am I going to get get my passive income up to my active income as quickly as possible? And looking at the numbers and kind of figuring things out, well, it's going to take a lot longer to get that mortgage down and get a higher right passive flow versus you can just flip x number of properties per year exactly get get that lump sum you know keep it under the corp get that low tax and eventually be able to pay myself with that okay yeah yeah and i've i've generally had a similar thought process before i started getting hired to build build things for other people my income strategy was okay i need to flip you know one to two properties a year and can keep the rest so i just knew it was pretty much one a year would do it but maybe two is, is like really good I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, no one could have ever predicted what the what the real estate market's done the last, yeah. you know, year and a half. But um, so, would have I been better holding on those properties? Probably, you know, yeah. in, in hindsight, holding on for a couple of years and then unloading. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like, to be honest, man, I've really kind of ramped up the last couple of years versus the last, say, five. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, I got my team now. I got some private capital, people are willing to invest and, um, you know, I got my systems in place now and I got a specific strategy that I use that's working. So I'm just kind of rinsing and repeat right now. And how long have you been operating on that? that type of pace you said about three years now like paces and doing like, did you everything? like five at a time like no 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 honestly this last uh year and a half is when i've kind of ramped it up okay before that was before it like it was one, just one or two a year yeah one or two a year for the okay. last two or three yeah. years and what were you usually shooting for on a flip like what kind of margin like in, uh, your, in your worst close, case close to six figures so, so your worst to... case was uh, was six figures uh worst yeah it was like around there i was hovering around there now was that the plan or was that the result um, the plan, so the plan would have been, uh, it was around like the 80 mark. Okay. And then you've just always been better than your plan. Well, I mean, the market's been on my the, side. Exactly. Right? You See, know? that's so, the thing. The market saves Yeah. Me, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Not even saved me. It's like propelled, right? It propels. Yeah. So I, but I also had the mindset of if, so I, I'm, I'm only flipping multifamily income properties. Really? Uh, yeah. Up okay, until so that's just quite the niche. up until just this last, this last little bit, cause I got a good deal. Um, because my mindset was. If for whatever reason the market softens, I'm going to be refinanced and I'm going to hold on to these properties. Yeah. I love that strategy. So you got a good plan B. Yeah, really exactly. Good plan B, right? Yeah. Well, I was always taught to have have a couple exit strategies. So yeah. the single families kind of make me a little nervous unless they're real quick, but yeah. these are longer projects. Right. Yeah. They, so, they make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who taught you that? 
Just listen to people, man. Yeah. <laughs> just, I love it. You got to keep your ears open. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, that's that's probably the biggest lesson I ever learned. Mm-hmm. I think that in the real estate investing, that was the single biggest lesson I ever learned, is if you're entirely reliant on plan A working, you're screwed. Yeah. Hypothetically. Like, I mean, as long as things go great, awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what, what about when things don't? Totally. And I've, you know, I've had mentors over the years, but the same thing is everyone thinks they're heroes in the last 10 years, right? I know. You know? There's a lot and, of arrogance there, isn't yeah, there? Like, oh, I'm so smart. <laughs> I try and keep it, you know, to a minimum because it's like, it's so true. It's like everyone who's holding the banana is, you know, yeah. you know, winning, right? So, yeah. Yep. The the older I get, the more I realize I don't know shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, you talk to the senior guys. They've been doing it for like 50, 60 years. I mean, they're all rolling their eyes like, what? how can this keep on going? You know, and like, you know, and then you talk to people who are been doing it only five or 10 years. And I'm in that category. You got to watch yourself because you think yeah. you're invincible. Right. But oh, you're not. Yeah. And that's what they say in Florida. And, and you'll hear from the people in Alberta that just be like, oh, we feel very uncomfortable with what's happening because mm-hmm. we've seen it all go down like we've seen it go from 350 a a door to 35 a door that's crazy Um, yeah like a a 90 percent drop and i had that conversation and everybody down there in the investor community especially a lot of the older guys at these meetups i would go to they're just like this can't continue they're like you know we're gonna wait it out i'm like well on one hand i totally agree with you on the other hand you haven't seen ontario Mm. and I'm like, there's two sides to this because Ontario has been going up forever and it will come down eventually. That's, yeah. I mean, it has actually, it did go down a bit in 2017, but it's going to come down eventually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like the people who've been around a long time or have seen or have been through that stuff, they approach this differently. And, and a lot of the guys I'll talk to from Alberta, mm-hmm. they'll say, no, we keep, we keep a lot of equity. You'll hear that a lot from people in Alberta because yeah. they just, they know one day it's coming. Yeah. And and a part of me for the exit strategy that I'm doing just in my specific situation, it's not for everyone. Like I'm not, you know, advocating everyone to start going out and flipping. It's just for my specific situation, this is my game plan and and whatever. But but even if you look at like, you know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine here, things went down, but I mean it wasn't as drastic as obviously, you know, your Florida market that you're talking about. I mean, that was just insane. You How know? much did they go down here? I wasn't paying attention at that time. I should have been, but I wasn't. <sighs> I I don't have an exact number, but I mean like a ten percent drop. No, yeah, even like a twenty percent drop. It doesn't take much to that that can upset a lot of people. It can upset if you're again if you're flipping. But I mean, it bounced back. You know, I remember looking at charts and it was like the U.S. was way down here. And for those who aren't watching, I got my hand like way down to the table. And then Canada was maybe about like yeah, not nearly as dramatic. Yeah, you know. In the, in the states, it was enough to destroy people's lives left, right, and center. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Here, it was it was more upsetting, but not you mm-hmm. know. And if you held and you're cash flowing, yeah. you're good. And I've I've generally come to learn that that time heals all wounds with real estate as long as you can ride the storm out, yeah. right? That and the cash flow is the way to do that. Obviously, not to not to beat a dead horse and say that uh, too many times on this show, but uh, yeah. I imagine you have a very similar philosophy based on the way you're talking. Yeah, I mean, I just try and be aware you know and just be conscious of my of my numbers and not not get too uh, greedy and thinking that everything's just going to go up so yeah and how are you finding stuff i guess this is a multi-pronged question because a lot of this is probably dependent on your team and your ability to know what stuff costs Mm -hmm. but how are you what are you finding number one and how are you finding it in hamilton as Which far, sounds like your main market. So as far as just properties or materials building, and or what do you mean? Properties. Like, what are you targeting? What kind of property? What kind of renovation? Why do you know your margins are what they are? Yeah. So I'm looking for single-family homes that I can convert. 
um, or duplexes where I can fit in a third unit. On or, the mountain or? No, down- in down, downtown core. Okay, so core like south of like Maine? So, yeah, so yeah, south of Maine is, is ideal. I have one that's in between King and Maine. Um, haven't gone down, uh, and I guess it would be north of King yet. Um, okay, just, and I, are I you like Gage Park in West or are you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere from, um, Oh, I get all confused because it's opposite of like Burlington. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it'd be south. Uh, I'd be so I'm west of Gage, but yet east of downtown. Okay, yeah. So that's a nice little pocket there, yeah. like the Stinson and that's, Corktown, and, and that's really all yeah. I know. So I just really focus yeah. in. I know if something pops up, I I jump so, on. So you it. know your numbers, okay? And what are you getting? Like a two story, two and a half story, two and a half at least. Yeah. yeah. So they're always two and a half. Are they like two thousand square feet, including everything? Yeah, the one I'm doing now is just shy of two thousand. Which um, kind of hurt me on my refi a little bit, but I was able to get it back up on a second attempt. But um, yeah, everything is hovering around two thousand. I had uh, I had a couple on Sherman uh, Avenue, which is just south of uh, Main Street, okay. and um, those were about twenty four, twenty five, and okay. those really those really helped with the extra square foot. Okay, so you get a lot higher appraisal. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, my experience it's been the two and a half. So two and a half is good. And what do you like about that? Just the extra space. I mean, I can't quite push the rents as high if it's just the single floor because you can maybe like max out with a two bed, two bed, one bath. But if you get that extra half story up there, you can fit the bedroom or maybe even a bedroom and a bath. So it really jumps up the rent. Okay, so you're going to do like the upper half of the house, so the top floor and, the, and then the half story. Those are one apartment, and then you've got the main, main floor, floor and the basement and as the, the basement. other. Yes, yes. Now, are you putting in a private staircase that, that all share, but that, that's outside of the units that runs up the inside? Uh, so it depends. No. So it depends on, on the property. Uh, some have, the, but each will always have its own independent so it has to have its own entrance. Yeah, yeah, from, yeah. So you have to have a staircase. I've for been fort- there. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. Uh, one of the properties was like the main entrance, kind of like a you know little main, um, like a little corridor area that would have entrance to the unit one and two. Units. But yeah, then if you do that, then you need to have a separate means of egress if they have a common exit. Right. right? And that specific property, I did the last uh, that one. I had to build a separate staircase, in like the a back. fire escape or something. Yeah, and it was massive. But yeah, yeah. See, those get expensive. Yeah, right? especially time. if you go with steel, you can get into like a hundred grand. Yeah. Oh my God. No. 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 Um. I, I lucked out that property I had. I had a, a buddy who's a framer, and he came with his apprentice and hammered built, it out. Built yeah. it in wood? Oh, that, okay, oh yeah, yeah, wood. Yeah, yeah. yeah, wood, yeah. wood is cheaper, although that's getting pretty expensive, too. I, well, now yeah. I don't even know what that would fit yeah. up. I mean, everything's gone like crazy, right? I don't even know what it's at right now, but I haven't heard much from my uh, my contractors. In terms so. of what, wood prices? Yeah. Yeah, they've come down a bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, t- I don't know I don't know exactly where it's at now. I think we're 2 by 4 by 8 is somewhere in the $6 ballpark right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is better than well, the, the fourteen. Like yeah, I, I think fourteen eighty five for uh, for the, the worst I paid. Yeah, May nineteenth. <laughs> what what is it normally like? Like three, like two eighty five probably before all this. Two eighty five. That's insane. So yeah, we're only like still you know three hundred percent too expensive. Yeah, but. Um, and I don't expect that to actually come down. I, I think that, I mean, it might come down a bit more, but it's never going to go back to what it was. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. But yeah, generally, that's part of the game, right? That's the inflation in this game right totally. now with yeah. what we're going through. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's tough on, you know, the, the contractors too. I mean, they set a certain quote, you know, at a certain price. And then yeah. next thing you know, the world turns upside down. They're like, uh, knocking on your door, like, hey, Dave, man, um, <laughs> prices are a little higher on the, on the lumber now. So, I mean, you, you do different strategies. Like in the basement, we 
um, you know, switch it over to uh, um, aluminum. Yeah. So yeah. those are a little cheaper, but not that much. No, but now they're like pretty yeah, much they got, like lumber too. It's also everything goes in. shortage. Yeah. All, all we've gotten in this last year and a half, which I knew was going to happen and called out very hard from the very beginning, mm-hmm. um, was a lesson in supply and demand. We've got we've got an economics lesson over the last two years, and uh, as long as we keep encouraging people to stay home and not produce, then everything's going to keep getting more expensive. Man, it's crazy. My, uh, I mean, I don't want to get off topic here, but my. Um, my nephew, he's uh, he was working at the movie theater like a couple times a week. He's in high school. He's about sixteen or seventeen now, um, and uh, he was he was making more on Serb than he was working. Yeah. And then now he's finally made the decision to go back to work, and I'm proud of him. But he's literally going to be making less money now, working his tail off, yeah. than he is making Serb. Right. So. Yeah. It's it's a real problem. I mean, I know I noticed it trying to get general laborers. Like I'll have guys like he calls me. Uh, we do an, a phone interview. Uh, says, okay, here's my site supervisor's number. Make sure you're there at uh, you know whatever time he tells you to. Yeah. Like coordinate the day. Show up. Mm-hmm. Doesn't show up. Uh, literally called him the night before. So confirm the address. Okay. Good. Got it. Doesn't show up. Doesn't call. Never heard from him again. Crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. just just. What yeah. day and age are we in? Like, where's the honor? You know? Oh man, don't don't. <laughs> I'm don't aging get me myself going. here. <laughs> where's the honor? Because <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I mean, hopefully we can steer back towards a day where people you know kind of operate more out of integrity. I know in our our crowd, a lot more integrity exists. Yeah, I think I think we yeah. have a little more grit too. I think yeah. uh, we're starting to lose that grit, and as soon as you start losing that, people get soft and don't want to oh, yeah. step up to the plate. Well, I posted this on on Instagram a while ago. You know, the hard hard times create strong men. Strong yeah. strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. I posted that on Instagram a while ago, and I asked people, "Where do you think we are right now?" And like ninety nine percent of the responses were um, absolutely, "Where good times create weak men." Mm. And uh, yeah, I, I, unfortunately. And this is not even gender specific. I mean, it's both men and women. It, yeah. It's created weakness across the board. Um, what are we going to do with that, right? And, and it's it's very overwhelmingly obvious to everyone that that's where we are. So um, I don't know how we fix that, but I do know that our next generations, I do I do think things are about to get hard for a lot of people, a lot harder than they are. And we're going to see a lot more people become proficient in specific trades and skills. Yeah. We're going to have to, right? We're going to have to become more self-sufficient because what happens when you, you know want to get food and the cost is quadruple right i mean the incentive for people to garden at home is going to go through the roof so a lot more people are going to learn how to do that and uh who knows me i I drove by some mennonites on the weekend and they were milling their own lumber and i'm like man i want that (laughs) (laughs) chopping down their own trees milling their own lumber actually speaking of trees i have a tree on my property it's like a it's a large um oh man um What's the, um i'm losing my mind on what tree it is the the, not the oak uh what, what drops the nuts the uh, oh walnut tree well walnut tree yeah and uh it, i mean this thing's massive yeah i'm be pissing off some neighbors but it literally drops everything on our backyard so you can get a mobile you uh, lumber a, mill yeah. to come and then, then they can actually run off all the boards and then they just need to take it to a kiln oh, they can wow. actually bring the mill right to you well i gotta get the permit first and like i said i'm gonna be pissing off a lot of the neighbors but i mean if you stand out there you gotta wear a hard hat in the fall so that's uh, a we're hard rid of wood, that. though, right? You want a softwood for framing, yeah. but you could use that for flooring. I think I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah, walnut's expensive. That's a, apparently, yes. yeah, it's good for flooring for yeah. sure. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> not to I go jump tangent. Topic, no, I, I actually love these like random discussions on the <laughs> podcast. Well, it, I was actually a little worried because uh, you and I share a lot of uh, same philosophy on a lot of things that you post, and I'm a little more tame, um, maybe because of my position. But um, yeah, man, uh, I didn't want to go too far down a rabbit hole, so yeah, I'm glad I switched. Right. 
but I, I'm this is why I actually post less lately on on social media. It's because I'll never be a hypocrite, like, yeah. and I'll always speak my mind. So I'm either going to speak my mind or I'm just not going to say anything. Yeah, um, I'm not going to be fake ever. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's I know a lot of people like such as yourself like you don't always want to say stuff. And uh, you know where we're at now, I, I think people have, have more or less tuned the overall situation out, mm-hmm. and uh, for better or for worse. I mean, for mental sanity, probably good. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I don't know if in the long run of the bigger picture that's good. I know it's it becomes exhausting. It, yeah, it really does. I. I I don't know if I, I don't really hold out hope that people are going to come around and say, you know what, this situation in our country is not okay and what's happening isn't okay. I feel like that's the days of that being a potential are kind of gone now. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's kind of like every man and woman <laughs> yeah. for, for yourself, make sure you, you get your affairs in order. And, and again, it just kind of brings it in full circle of don't rely on one thing. Don't rely and definitely on, don't rely on the government. Yeah, like, and exactly. And yeah. you know, it comes down to the pensions. Like don't rely on one income. You know, you can always use your job. What's your backup? You know, what happens if your spouse dies and you lose that income? You know what I mean? And it's just little things like that aside from what the byproduct of you know, investing in multiple yeah. streams of income of time, your free time, your resources, you know, your ability to do more and see more and help more. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So. I, I just think it's an exercise now more than ever in eliminating dependence in your life. Mm-hmm. Where are you dependent? Yeah. Diversify. Right. In your investments, you diversify yeah. in your sources of food. We want to diversify like supply chains. We diversify contractors. We diversify. I think if we keep that in mind and know well, what would happen if I lost my source of this, yeah. you yeah. know, what would I do? Yeah. And, um, I love the idea of just learning new skills, becoming proficient, at least a little bit enough to know if I really needed to dig into it, I could. And then maybe just stack my bookshelf with a bunch of stuff on the topic. (laughs) Yeah, a prime example, I'm not going to say where I work, but um, a lot of services even surrounding me um, are seeing a decline in people applying, but also an increase in people transferring outside of uh, the GTA because of how expensive it is. They don't want to be in the GTA. Well, it's expensive to live. Right. And there's certain pockets that are more expensive than others, obviously. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people transferring where the cost of living is significantly lower. You get paid the same, but your cost of living is lower. You know, so that's having a toll on people, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if I had like my wife doesn't have as much flexibility with like location to live and I get it. We like it. We like being able to live here because we're close to family here. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I would have moved to London, Niagara region, whatever, like, you know, for a sweet house hack or whatever. But, you know, house hacking's off the table with Jordan. That ain't happening. Yeah, so. trust me. I, I, I tried to have that conversation with uh, with Aaron, yeah. my fiance. But, um, yeah. yeah, if we move anywhere, it'll be palm trees. So Palm trees. Yeah, I like the sounds of that. I think you and I had connected over this. I, be- I believe you also have uh, dual citizenship. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Are you, uh, were you born in the States? No, my mom's American. Okay, so, so you were able to get that. And my sister was that. born there as well, so. So that's an incredible flexibility that you have there. Big time. Actually, I had a little little story. So right now I have everything um, under my corp, right? Canadian corp, standardized structure that we all preach. Um, and I was just talking to my CPA and he actually said, I need to either dissolve or be, be aware. Because if I, as soon as I make the transition over to the US, they look at your, your last few years of your earnings under your corp. And an American owning a Canadian um, corporation, I am actually going to get taxed on that. So the way that I have it set up now, I need to have like almost an exit strategy because yeah. I haven't 
maybe I shouldn't say this over the air, but I haven't, I haven't, um, you know, I got to file my, my taxes. Yeah, you have right? to like a build so, up. I think a lot of Canadians that have American citizenship, citizenship, they, they didn't file because they weren't there. And so you have to like catch up. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm going through now. There's yeah. an actual amnesty yeah. program that you got to go yeah. through. So just be aware of that if anyone is uh, yeah, if, out there. Apparently, even if you hold a visa, you have to file in the U.S. no matter whether you were there or not. Yeah. Like, I'm learning yeah. a lot more as I go, you know, yeah. as you start, you know, diving in and you want to start investing yeah. down there, then you, you got to poke your head up out of the sand eventually, right? So I was speaking with a friend of mine about this and he's pretty smart guy well connected and he was asking he's like well what'd you set up for your american structure i told him and he's like well why i'm curious why your accountant didn't recommend an international trust so I guess you can create a trust that works internationally. You yeah. obviously have to have a trustee, but uh, I think it works better for multinational ownership. I know nothing about this. So this is something yeah. that maybe if I get an accountant that knows something about this, yeah. uh, that'd be a useful conversation to have. You know what? Those, uh, I have, you know, I probably butchered my example or explanation of why that is just before there, but it's, you know, the, the Canadian citizen doing that international corporate trust or whatever the case may be might be, you know, perfect and okay. But it's the issue of where you're a dual citizen or an American citizen maybe may not be allowed to own to a structure. Corp? Yeah. Or you can, okay. but then there's certain tax, you know. Yeah. They're going to want to like tax there. your equity or something. Yeah. Or Again, something. I'm not even going to try and explain it. Yeah. Give suggestions here. Talk to CPA. <laughs> Talk to your accountant. But yeah. I guess that's, that's, that's always the end of the advice. answer, right? Because these, uh, first off, these rules changed like weekly yeah maybe daily um so you never know what's going on like it's it's so convoluted this whole this whole uh, process <laughs> it, it is and that's why i just put my trust in the people who, who know what they're yeah doing. you want to find experts of course do your own research too. understand conceptually what's going on yeah. i think it's big i'm very big with that with my renovations too i want to understand conceptually what's happening 100 percent. yeah yeah so back to your properties okay. and what yep. you're doing so you're, you're getting these two and a half stories yeah your separate entrances for each ideally unless you have to share and then you have some egress like yeah. staircases and what have you and um so you're typically buying at what price point so i mean my i mean literally it used to be around the 500 mark and then now that's kind of creeped up to the sixes you know try and get a good spot so i lucked out with the products that i have i purchased it just just before on the cusp of when everything started kind of ramping up so i fortunately like here's a perfect example of just taken advantage of the market um you know I, f I found one for 500 as a legal duplex with a uh, room in the basement and i bought it for five two and, and a half story uh yes two and a half um it's just it's about 23 2200 square feet and um single car dr uh, driveway which in that area downtown you do 1.33 for each unit so it would have been unable to really try and get the third or or even the second really but it was legal duplex. I checked the zone verification. So it already was, so you didn't need a minor variance. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So um, I just put it up on a bunch of the Facebook groups, and now I got two offers coming in today. Is that be wholesale? It's just, a, it's just private No, it's just an opportunity. I mean, like, I'm just kind of – I was going to keep it. You know, oh, and then do you list any of them though, like for with realtors? Uh, so I actually purchased this one with a realtor. So my realtor has been able to score me a couple of good ones. Okay. Um, just by her network and kind of pocket listings. Um, I've only bought uh, a couple through like wholesalers, but yeah. um, majority of my stuff's been all through so on MLS. the market yeah, or yeah. just uh, through realtors. Uh, yeah, like I found one or my realtor is like, hey, this is yeah. coming on the market or I know someone who's going to be listing. We can get this taken care of yeah. without listing it. So that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so I mean, six figures on a on a wholesale deal is not too bad. 
so this one's 500 to buy your renovation your, on this are you, one are you doing like a gut for the inside yeah so i'll give an example like the one i'm i, I just listed right now um i i bought it for 530 i got about um you know including appliances and everything like that i forget what the exact number is i'm, I'm up to about 280 270 280. something like that okay so we'll say 280 in including yeah. carrying costs yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's everything. In. Yeah, so you're in for eight, eight, ten. Yeah, eight, ten, and I just listed for one point two two five. A duplex can get one point two two five. It's three unit, three unit. Oh, that one's a three. Yeah, unit. yeah, yeah. So I need that third unit in order to get the the, the income up. Yeah, so I mean, I'm pushing for one point two two five. We'll see. What okay, I let's have. say you got the one two two five. One point two, I think I'll be able to do. It. And if not, I'll be able yeah. to refi for one point two. I've already got an appraisal. Okay, so you got an appraisal at one point. Yeah, just so I know my exit okay. in case I need to. Oh, do you do that? You just get an appraisal just so you know? Not always. Um, to be honest, what happened was I had uh, I had a off-market sale already lined up. Um, they had conditions, finance conditions. So they went and did the appraisal. This is a crazy part. I, I posted on my social media too. So one came in at 980 and then the next one came in at 1.2. How okay. do you get a difference of... 220 <laughs> even even back in the day like i you know doing my mortgage business back in like 2012 2013 yeah. i'd have two different appraisers go out appraise the same property one would say three 370 the other would say 270 same property yeah like how how could you be that off <laughs> like what are your comparables that's why i'm like i want this report i want to see yeah. what you're comparing you oh and know? i've seen them i've yeah. seen them they just they just find different comparables yeah. and uh you know you read both and it seems to make sense for both yeah. for both and that's that's really why appraising is, is more of a art than a science. Yeah. And kind of connecting with, you know, you know, certain people who understand the certain uh, multifamily as well. Um, yeah. You got, you got to know. That's why you got to pick your appraiser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Make sure, make sure you got one that, uh, that learned, gets it. Again, you learn as you go, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So w- if you had rented that one out or did yeah. you rent it first? No, it's, it's actually vacant. Usually. So, for listing last, for sale, you probably don't want to rent it. So this is the thing. Like, there, my last couple have been above average finishings, like yeah. kind of a higher end scale, above average, not, nothing crazy. But um, and my rents have been, you know, definitely on the high end for Hamilton, right? Like breaking records for for rent. People like I, I, I tell other people, and they're like, "You're not getting that." I'm like, "Yeah, man." And uh, so I used to, or two of them, I I. I had them rented, fully rented, and then I could prove the actual rent. And then I would sell it kind of like an apartment. You kind of just base it on the income and as long as they can. So there has been times where they've had to come with a difference because it would only get appraised for a certain amount. Yeah. But you say, listen, if you this is worthwhile because it, it can yes. support itself. So you're saying they're not getting 80%? Um, it depends. Like one didn't, one did. And this yeah. one is will as long as the appraisal comes in. Well, you, say if it was for Scotiabank, they're going to do a market rent. And they're not, exactly. they don't even really care what your rents are. I mean, although if you talk to the appraiser and you show them the leases, they might support and it. That's, yeah. And that's what happened the one time. But now, like, this one's vacant, so they'll do market rents. Yeah, which is not going to be as good. No, and that's yeah. unfortunate. But, again, there's also the mindset of people want to buy a property and they don't want to think about the idea of, oh, I might have a bad tenant in there. I don't know about these tenants. Yeah. So sometimes, in my experience, the last couple of rounds, they like the idea that it's vacant and they can pick the tenants. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that 
that's almost like a safer way if you're going to list on, on MLS plus and it's easier and showings it's, like that's everything a big about showings. it is just so much because you don't know what a tenant's going to do are they going to bring their junk in if you want it to show well totally. just yeah. leave it open and say look I've, I've got you could even just show like post it for rent and show how many responses you're getting yeah. this will rent in a snap but I want is- you to pick your own tenants I don't want you to inherit tenants yeah easy as that who wouldn't agree with that the only time I would disagree is uh, like when I sell my student rentals always has been the case of course they want it rented <laughs> That's, well, yeah, that's you want to start that's some different. cash flow from day one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's just like literally you, you show them a cash flow sheet. This is what you're buying. So yeah. much more important than the property itself yeah. is is how the property performs, yep. predictably performs too. Mm-hmm. So, And that's actually, this is the first one I've done where I've actually staged every all the units. So when they come through, they can actually envision it. And then the back end, I also have ads up to rent it. So I'm, I'm actually doing both at the same time. So you're right showing now. them, you can show them that there's intent to rent. Well, that yes, there's interest at a certain rate. Like yeah. you know, my three bedroom and one, I'm I'm asking twenty one, which is really high, and you know, there's interest there, right? So you could say, listen, at twenty one for three bed, one bath, I got interest. This is this is in a triplex. In a in a tri, yeah. Yeah, twenty one. I've heard of higher actually. Um, a, yeah, oh yeah, a My, the one before yeah. it was a little more square feet. This one's a little short, uh, smaller. Yeah, smaller. But uh, I had it li- uh, in my spreadsheet. I always do like an analysis breakdown, a cash flow sheet to hand over to people who are interested. And um, they, I think I had twenty two, and I thought I was pushing it at that point. Yeah. That was like two years ago. And then the guy ended up renting it for twenty four. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, how the hell did you get twenty four? Twenty four in a triplex. I've heard of that yeah. twenty four fifty. So yeah. Um. So if say you get a twenty one in that one unit, what would you do in the rest of the house? Uh. So I think I had uh, actually I just did it before I came over. Uh. What was it? Twenty. I think I did twenty one, nineteen, and seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. So that's fifty seven hundred bucks yeah. on that. And place. then I got a, this. This is the kicker. So I got a two car detached garage that could be converted into a carriage house as well. Yeah. Um, but you, right now it's a double car garage. You could, uh, rent it out for 300. For so just rented it as a garage. And I mean, yeah. that won't go towards the appraisal obviously, but in the eyes of the purchaser, yeah. they're like, oh man, that's an extra two, 300 bucks in cash flow. So yeah, that's, that's just the bonus. I mean, you don't like out with garages all the time, but I, I love that those extra ways to monetize on properties, mm-hmm. yeah, extra garage, extra land, whatever you can do. It just, there's just so many ways to, yeah. uh, that's it. That's the other thing too. I usually, um, create parking spaces for everyone too so yeah even if legal or not because sometimes they weren't they're not going to be legal right like you can do it yeah and i've done that it's not legal (laughs) yeah yeah, i know well yeah yeah, we'll keep it there we won't we won't get into (laughs) anything else um okay so taxes on that place what would they be oh man i gotta bring up my screen just ballpark yeah i think it was no, no it was um oh you know i was doing tisdale uh, I don't have them in front of me. Was, I think it was a 42, maybe something like that. Okay. Yeah. Just ballpark. Yeah. Uh, and then insurance on something like that, probably like one. Nah. Uh, yeah. It was about, I think it was 150 a month, something like that. Uh, okay. So let's see. Equals 150 times. Or am I thinking construction insurance? That's 1800. Yeah. I think I'm thinking. No, that, that makes sense. 1800 maybe 2000 What you know. Actually, no, that's not construction because construction would no, be ridiculous. Way more. Yeah, yeah, I'm paying, yeah. I'm paying six, 6K a year. 
Yeah, the construction is really silly insurance. Uh, okay, so maintenance on something like that, uh, let's just hypothet- hypothetically say it'd be like 7%. Um, utilities, are they all separated or no? You do 7% for maintenance and repair? Depends on the house. Like older, I'll go right up to 10%. Yeah. If it's really old and it looks like it needs a lot, I just budget 10% because realistically you are going to have it, including life cycle maintenance. So when I'm it. selling, when I'm when I'm doing like a marketing package, you don't do that. On I don't marketing. add a lot of that stuff, no. right? No, but like but it, as my own, I mean, I yeah. can break down what I do. But right. Yeah. It's like everyone's going to be different. Some people are going to be more conservative than others. Yeah. I'm not going to flavor something yeah, yeah, for yeah. somebody if I'm selling but something. But if you want real numbers, yeah. then absolutely. But I can like, absolutely give people real numbers. Yeah, I'm yeah. just not going to sugarcoat and say it's worse than it is. Yeah. Um, but for my own cash flow buffering in my own mind, 100%. I might do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm very conservative on that too. But uh, okay, so say it was 7%. Utilities wise on that place. Um, so they're each individually metered. But you're going to have water and gas. For water and gas. Yeah. So those are probably going to be, what, like four grand a year for everything? Uh, yeah. Again, I always know monthly. What does that break down to? What do you have for a month? Like 200 a month for yeah, 300? I yeah. I do about 300 for both. 300 times. So, so yeah, you have 3,600. Um, management, nothing there. Uh, so I always do zero because I didn't. I never get property management. Hypothetically, somebody might but yeah, manage but it. But I, I would do about 400 in there if you're going to do property management. Yeah, I just did like 5%, but I mean, let's just see what that looks like. Even with 5%, so all those numbers, we started with a $5,700 gross rent, your taxes, your insurance, uh, I budgeted 7% for maintenance, the $3,600 a year for the water and gas, uh, management at 5%, which I I don't think you're actually going to get it that cheap, but you could also self-manage. And then just pay a leasing fee, which I mean, I'm more of a fan of that, pay the leasing fee, but but self-manage. 4.17% cap rate. And um, let's just say hypothetically, you got the current market rates like two point three percent. You'd still have at a one point two million dollar sell price, four hundred and eighty five bucks in cash flow. Yeah, and those are pretty conservative numbers. Yeah. So, except for the management, which yeah, that part you have to. You'd, it would be a wash if you're if you're yeah. doing management. If you're gonna pay, yeah, if you're gonna pay full pop mm-hmm. management. Did that include the, the the garage as well? In there? No, no garage income. So okay. if we add on to you know two hundred dollars more, yeah, you could do at least two, yeah, two to three. For so sure. you could potentially jack another two hundred dollars on top yeah, of that. Yeah. So not yeah, bad. Yeah, and I think once you get in there, I mean, it's not like you're dealing with a ten unit building. I mean, everything's all brand new. It's very low maintenance. Individual um, ductless units too. For so each unit has oh, its yeah, own. Um, okay, so gas won't be nearly air. that bad. No, yeah. no, no. Um, and then the electric. So obviously each unit has its own electrics. Oh, sorry, electricity. Yeah. So for yeah, their lights and stuff. So really, your common stuff is what hot water for the building. Uh, then, yeah, just the hot water and the gas. Yeah. yeah. So well, you don't have a gas furnace in there, right? It's all it's all it's all electric. Yeah. Okay. So so that's actually pretty good. Um, that split. It's nice to see there's still a way to make cash flow here, but I do see the problem with the debt coverage ratio here is only 1.13. Exactly. Um, You're going to have to put more money down on that. So technically your cash flow is going to be even better because they're not going to give you as much of a mortgage. But uh, So what what was the, um, sorry, what was the debt? I have a debt coverage ratio of uh, 1.13 to 1. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's typically banks might want to see anywhere from 1.1 to 1.2. Um, but the, the kicker is that the banks have their own approach to evaluate, uh, to evaluating your expenses mm-hmm. and they're going to differ from, differ from lender to lender. So just because my DCR says this doesn't mean somebody else yeah. agrees. And a prime example why one was 980 and the other one was one, 1.2, right? With your appraisers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They might've been approaching the uh, income and expenses differently yeah. for coming up with their cap rate, mm-hmm, uh, which mm-hmm. is where they base their value on. Yeah. Um, that's why appraising is not a science. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, uh, 
but you can play the it's game. It's a key. Yeah. You can play the game. Yeah. The world is a game, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> it's very it true. Right. I, I tend to think of it more as theater these days, but <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> we're uh, going to avoid the rabbit hole as much. Oh, yeah. I had funny. I had Jacob Perez on here, and we're both pretty vocal about oh, our yeah. opinions on things. Yeah. And we're like, I saw him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we went there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, try not was to. Was he Montreal? Was it? Uh, was that his brother? I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, his brother was in, in, in Montreal, Montreal yeah, for the okay. for the game. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, look, it's nice to see a few people, like I said, like we were talking, you know, speak out, speak their minds. Mm-hmm. Although it's becoming less and less. Hey, man, scary. It's <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a difficult situation. It's a, it's a difficult situation indeed. So, what's the bigger picture for you right now? Um, to be honest, uh, just become financially free. I think that's number one for me. Uh, getting to that certain point where I can uh, exit out of policing a little earlier. Um, you know, I was a little hesitant of like telling people that and advertising that, but you know, at the end of the day, you can't knock for anyone trying to uh, be financially free early, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then number two is just have more impact on the community. Like, I really have found a little bit higher of a purpose to to help my own community and learn how to invest and bring awareness to certain financial issues. Um, again, it's not just coming from me. It's bringing people who know a hell of a lot more than I do and bringing them to my own community. So uh, definitely growing the business, definitely growing the network and the community. Okay. So financially free, like when do you define the time is right? Like what, what does it take for you to say, Hey, I'm financially free now. I was talking to Adrian, uh, actually not too long ago about Pinozo? this. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, you know, cause I was asking him cause he's, you know, when I met him, he was kind of in, in my, in my shoes. He was still working. He got his license. He was investing sort of. And, um, but anyway, the conversation happened like when and this was off air, it's like, when, when are you ready? You know, like what, what point did you feel comfortable and you're never going to feel comfortable. You know, you're never going to feel great when you, especially when you leave. And this is anyone, you jump any type of career, you know, you go from something that you're familiar with, you're comfortable, you know, quote unquote secure to go to now you're now, you know, essentially an, an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I've just made it uh, a goal of mine. I have a certain date in mind. And then also I, I say, as long as my passive income surpasses my active income right now, then I'll feel comfortable to, to be quote unquote at that stage now i'll never no, stop working but passive income do you consider the flip income passive income no no, no so you're no. talking like rental properties so you want to grow not that even out. rental properties just like lending and okay so if you're doing some lending yeah yeah like are, private, you're doing some private lending now yeah i do private lending now and then i'm invested in uh like as an lp in apartments in the states okay and um i invest in like small stuff but i invest in like little side stuff as well okay and then what about um what about these properties that you're buying, the five that you're flipping? How much of your cash are you putting into those? Uh, zero. So zero. You're, you're doing that all fully leveraged. Mm-hmm. Are they, how are you able to do that? So private capital. Um, I've signed on the dotted line on three of them. So the, I'm able to get the mortgage, okay. but then I get the down payment and the renovations through OPM. OPM. So, so this is more like promissory notes or something exactly. like that. So people yeah. in your network that that exactly. uh, know you so you're you're are you taking like an institutional first mortgage on these or are you taking a private mortgage both depending yeah. on the property yeah, yeah so okay. like for example we get a mortgage with uh scotia or you know whoever and down payment will be promissory note um, right. and then renovation same yeah. thing 
for me, I, I would get them done because they, they, they want to see your down payment. You can't tell them you're taking promissory well, no course. money. Yeah. But I would have money set aside for renovations yeah, that have yeah. been sitting for three and four months. Well, I'm tapped out now, so yeah. I guess I can say that. So. <laughs> so I had that sitting there. And I would show the same batch of money as my down payment for every house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah, meanwhile, I'm but, like then, but then they want to see money. it for a certain period of days. Right. Well, so then you've got to print out your statement. But I would, you know, for for a good time there, I would um, just have the money for an entire flip in yeah. in my account. Yeah. Like so, and that would be OPM. Mm-hmm. But it would have been there for long, you know. And so yes, it's inefficient to a degree. But for me, that helped me sleep at night, yeah. knowing that the money was there, and that my contractors loved it because I just yeah. paid them instantly. The money's there. I'm not waiting for construction draws. I had it. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved doing that. So that actually helped me. The, all the stars aligned. I'm like, I can't buy that property. Oh wait a minute, I have all this money sitting there. <laughs> That'll work. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, that was back when, you know, there was 6% cap rates were a thing in London. Yes. And at a 6% cap, I could actually pay 12% on my down payment money and still cash flow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I figured these little shortcuts. So I, yeah. As long as I get a 6 cap, I can, I can do that. It's interesting. I always find it funny. Like some people, you know, you, you go on these podcasts and you talk about what you're doing and you kind of do like a high level and you just kind of scratch the surface. But really, a lot of people don't dig in and talk about what they're really doing. Yeah. You know, like I'm not saying there's always a big gray area but between, you know, doing investing and kind of doing things certain ways. And, you know, it's just it's the nature of the business. Should I know? not have said all that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No. <laughs> and we're going to edit that out now. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but it's true. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the real. It, it's like anything. So, Well, you know what? Um, I could have changed my mind. But at the same time, like. I satisfied the requirement, what yeah. I did after that. You know, it's funny having worked in the industry, just kind of understanding how those moving parts work. Yeah. You it's like the funding, you, the funding department. You don't department think the banking care less. system does the exact same? Oh, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. Like they leverage 10%, I, I 10 times every dollar we have in there. Come oh, on. yeah. Yeah, uh, I've already done that fractional lending yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, you got to work your angles. I, I call that more working your angles, playing within the system. Um, conservatively. And, and, yeah, at conservatively the end of the working yeah. your angles in a defensible way. Um, you know, that you can stand behind. I mean, obviously, if I felt bad about what I did or didn't think it was right, I wouldn't be advertising it. No, no, no. No, 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 I know. And I, and I didn't mean to, like, suggest that or oh, anything. Oh, no, I'm but, joking, totally. But, but I, I don't the, take any offense okay, whatsoever. Okay. But yeah. the, uh, I think the biggest thing is just, like, having your numbers down, having a system, and, like, being not being emotional about your process yeah. and just being very analytical, knowing your numbers, knowing your systems. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, like, the amount of times you say no to an opportunity or a property where you, I wish I could have 10 more on the go, yeah. but the numbers aren't there, you know? The numbers got to work. And, and I've actually gotten to a point now where, you know, I'm finding it very difficult even moving forward. So I'm looking at other markets, you know, yeah. I've almost feel like I've gotten to that point now where I've almost not tapped out of Hamilton, but it's getting to a point now where you, it's, you definitely got to be aware of other markets. Well, so so you're talking. You still want to have a property that would cash flow if you had to keep it. Absolutely. With yeah, that yeah. criteria yeah. in mind, Hamilton's getting tougher. But be on be extra conservative on top of that, you know, yeah. because I'm obviously investing with other people's money, and I got to give them a certain return. Yeah. And I wouldn't put their money at risk. I wouldn't put myself in risk. That's that's the thing that makes it tricky, right? Uh, and and that's why if you're going to take other people's money, and I've done the same, is 
I, I buy something that I know I'm comfortable keeping. And if the worst, you know, I, I've given that person or, you know, you know, whoever lent me that money, my word, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. money's coming back. 100%. So, so that's a, that's not a small responsibility. I don't take that lightly. Absolutely. No, hundred percent. I'm if, with you there. If you know you're going to be into something that's, that's a little bit more speculative then maybe do it as a JV and say, we share the risk together. Yes. And um, it's a hold. So yeah. you can hold on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we might be up and down on this, but we hold it. Yeah. We wait it out. cash flowing along the way. Yeah. We wait it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so because yeah, it could get tricky, right? Because I mean, a deal might not work if you got to keep, you know, if you got two hundred grand private money out, mm-hmm. it might not work if you can't refinance that out. Yeah. So that that type of deal might make more sense as a JV. Yeah. If if they they come in and they know that that money's in the deal and uh, and you'll ride it out if there's a problem. Yeah, and you took the words out of my mouth. What, only do deals that you would want to keep, and that's kind of my my yeah. philosophy. And I only renovate, uh, which is probably not a great thing. I typically only renovate something that I would feel comfortable living in. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't renovate it in a way that I'd say I'd never sleep in this place. You know what I mean? Like no, it'll be like, it'd there, be enough for me. My standards aren't that high, but there's but, a market <laughs> for that. But it's definitely I don't think it's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I. Um, but I just mean like I'll throw in quartz. I'll still do the basic, basic kitchen, like mm-hmm. the white shaker doors. It doesn't cost yeah. me much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a step above IKEA. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know my my bathrooms are basic. I do I do vinyl plank everywhere, but I do tile surrounds in the bathtubs. Why not? Mm-hmm. You know, decent fixtures. I don't I don't think it takes much to to, sp- to spice look it up a bit above yeah. average. You right, know? exactly, and that's all I mean. Like I'm not gonna have, I'm not gonna be a slumlord. That's just not gonna happen. No. I had a hard time with the Ohio stuff I used to own. Because mm. it was stuff that I wouldn't stay in, and I've never owned stuff like that since. Like I've literally, I've literally just gotten rid of anything I had that was like that. Yeah. Um, you know, for better or for worse. I'm not saying that's. Uh, some people have that mentality. Other people don't. Do not at all. Hey man, the the 680 unit uh, apartment that I'm invested in that's actually just uh, it's going to be closing this month. 680 unit. Yeah. So you're part equity owner. Uh, the LP. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Limited partner. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's like 30 of us or so. Um. Anyway, uh, same deal. Like, I would not sleep there. Like, yeah. he goes there. He had a, pretty much had a shotgun there. You know, he has off-duty police officers going there at the beginning. Like, he turned it around big time. But yeah. Anyway, just, if that's if there's that's a market the way for it everybody. is, yeah, yeah, I have no issue with that. It's just I'm not going to be the right manager for that. Definitely. Not. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, that's going to have to be that's somebody too many else. Phone calls. Yeah, that's going to have to be somebody else. Like. I want to be able to deal with people that kind of, kind of get them. You know, yeah. I, I can explain my vision. They yeah. resonate with my vision. Big time. Rock and roll. Yeah. I always have a good relationship with, with my tenants. I find yeah. like with the tenants and the student rentals, I'm like, oh, as you guys can see, I made this place freaking awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And they see it. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Okay. I'm always going to be on top of things. You got an issue. You let me know, but here's how you let me know. And you're not calling me in the <laughs> you're middle of the night. You're better than me, man. <laughs> I haven't been to my, real, I haven't been to my student rental in like three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just for me, I got on that pattern of every yeah. every four months. Make you, sure I you got in. in early too. You got good cash flow when yeah. you first started. It's yeah. changed. I actually sold all of them. Oh, did you? <laughs> all of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I decided that that asset class for me, I wasn't going to be in for some, and yeah. I sold a couple. And I'm like, okay, now nah, I'm just going to keep going nice. and uh, deploying that money elsewhere. So in the process of of redeploying it. So people listening to this, if you've got multifamilies, if you got a deal that makes a lot of sense, um, hit me up. Because, uh, you know, anything Burr-related, uh, value-add related, I'm interested. Right. Same goes, Dave. You got yeah, something for hey, me. You definitely. Me <laughs> and if he doesn't answer his phone, you just reach out to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Well, it's, uh, it's great having you on here, finally uh, finally doing it vice versa, because I know it was on your show. Yeah. Um, when people want to reach you or follow you, what's, what's the best way? Uh, just go to 911wealthnetwork.com, um, or you can reach out to me on Instagram, Dave Nider, just E-R at the end of my name, and 
That's it. Well, there's uh, there's lots to know, lots to learn. I mean, I'm sure we could talk for uh, for hours I know. here, but uh, I know we got to let people <laughs> we'll, continue we'll do, on in their life. <laughs> we'll do another uh, another follow up um, as we go. But I mean, just quick before I let you go, so are, are you planning on adding a certain type of asset? Other, you know, what's what do you see as being your primary cash driver going forward to get you towards that that final uh, retirement number? <sighs> to get me to the number, it's gonna be flips. Flips. Yeah, flips. So flips are going to build up a base of cash. Exactly. And that base of cash is going to go into private lending and exactly. things like that. Yeah. Private lending, yeah, that's that's pretty uh, pretty solid in terms of like you can get 12%, you know, 10%. Depends. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends how risky you want to go. Yeah, yeah. You, you, know? could, you could stay in the 6% and be conservative. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I enjoy it. So, I mean, like I'm not the type that I can just like sit yeah. on a beach forever. Like I got to keep moving. So I'll, uh, you know, whether it be deploying my own capital or using my own capital to continue what I'm doing, I'll still be doing something in real estate for yeah. sure. So wherever that, you know, that cash allocates, okay. it'll be uh, passive. Mostly. Okay. And now to wrap up words of wisdom for people, uh, people who follow either of us, people who are wanting, trying to get started, or maybe people trying to go to the next step, whatever you prefer. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, reach out if you ever have any questions, but you know, if this resonates with anyone, um, you know, just get started, uh, dive into it take it seriously use it as a business think of it as a business not like something that's you know don't dabble a little bit and um i always find this is kind of a long answer but i always find if you're going to educate yourself and dive in, give yourself a time frame otherwise you're going to be learning and watching youtube and listening yeah. to podcasts forever and you're never going to pull that trigger so give yourself like six months educate yourself get a mentor pull the trigger yeah okay well said well said all right dave thanks a lot for doing this thanks man Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one.